And Patrick reached out to me and just said, you have to make sure the players do what Josh would want them to do. His memory has been powerful. And we're trying to honor that. That was Merrimack men's head hockey coach, Scott Bork, joining us on another episode of RinkWise. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of RinkWise, the premier hockey podcast in New England produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Let's get started welcoming today's guest, head coach of Merrimack Men's Hockey, Scott Bork. Scott, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for talking Merrimack Hockey. We appreciate it. Well, of course, how could we not? We're so excited to have you joining us. You guys are red hot to start this season. In fact, I think it's one of the best starts in, in Merrimack Men's program history since at least 2011. And must be some really great energy and some great vibes going on there in North Andover right now. Yeah, you know, we've been really fortunate. The rank is is full. The student body has embraced our team really well. And our and our and our team has embraced the student body, I think, also and really enjoyed playing for Merrimack. And I think we've got momentum from the school. I mean, there's a lot of growth going on on campus. And we're just a part of that growth. And we're trying to hitch into that, kind of plug into the momentum on campus and it's kind of working right now where our players, I think, see that and they enjoy it and they're embracing it. Indeed. Yeah. And I've had the pleasure to be at some of the games and it, it really is just such a great atmosphere in that rink. And in Hockey East, obviously so competitive with some of those big Boston schools. And it seems to me that with your games, it's just such a great community environment, almost the pride, if you will, of, of Andover and North Andover. And you get a strong community feel there as well. Yeah, and I think that the, the people who come here, obviously because of the different youth hockey programs, the Islanders are in here every day. There's a connection to Merrimack College just through the fact that they're here so much. So and they know our players, so they go walk by and they see them on the benches in between our practices. And it's nice because I think more and more we're getting to be part of a community program. And that's important for us because there's obviously more seats than we have students and we have to have other people there. So it's been really, it's been fun to connect with the community. No, that's awesome. And you guys are, again, having just a great season and at the top, I believe last time I checked third in, in Hockey East. And how has that been? So what, how, how have, has this year been different than last year? And what do you attribute some of that success to? I really attribute to this growth in our goaltending. Hugo Olas, who was a freshman last year, got off to a slower start. Zach Bourgeil, who would come out of the, the previous year as a starter, but hadn't been the starter really. He had to was sharing opportunity with two other guys. And so they both went into the year almost like rookies. And as they grew, our team grew. Uh, and then this year, they both came and hit the ground running. Um, and goaltending's obviously a huge part of it. But I, I also think for the first time, because I've been here, we've had depth in the lineup, but certainly up front, uh, we can score goals on you know all four of our lines. Uh, we're a very mature team. We're a little bit older. Um, and that's been helpful as well. And and we took a lot of hits on the back end last year, the recruiting process when we Lecklin and Carlisle and Zach Ewins to NHL contracts. We decided to embrace that and just say, hey, that's a great sign for our program. Who's next? And I think the players who were here who were left behind, they kind of they probably felt like they needed to get a little more credit themselves. And I think their games have grown with the opportunities they're getting right now. So it's funny, Zach Ewins was at our game at Sacred Heart and came he came into the room a little bit and just told him, like, we wish we had him because obviously he'd make us a better team. But at the same time, him moving on has allowed other guys to really emerge. And that's been really a positive part of our season. Yeah, certainly a, a great problem, if you want to call it that, that your your guys are going on to the NHL. And a great attribute to, to you as a coach and your program, of course, and the fact that you have certainly helped them on that path. But 
a big loss, I'm sure, in, in the in the lineup. But talk about your depth for a second. The uh, the guys back from from last year, it seems like you're really relying heavily on those veterans to really lead the charge this season. Yeah, it's certainly on the back end. Uh, the the biggest group, our our sophomores, uh, Ivan Ziflak, Michael Brown, and Adam Arvidsson have been allowed to emerge into bigger roles. And that's been really positive and they've handled it really well. You add to that group, we had Liam Dennison, who unfortunately got hurt in practices out for the year. He was the only senior returner we had. But the thing about Liam is he stayed connected to our team. He's still helping our team find ways to be successful. He's a great guy in the room. He's been able to connect with our guys and our results. And that's really important. So I think that we we just have to continue to grow with some of the other guys, the newer guys. Slava Demon from UMass has been a big addition playing in every situation, playing very well. Gives us, he's our oldest guy back there. He gives us a lot of maturity. And then Zach Bookman's been a player that's been able to come in and make an impact immediately on both sides of the puck. He's really, he's not overrated offensively, but people don't understand how underrated he is defensively, but he's a really good player. And um, then we have two other guys who have contributed as well. Kevin Sadovsky uh, came in, hasn't played a lot in his first two years. He's played really well this year when he's played. Um, and then Trevor Greibel is also a real talented young man from Wenatchee. Uh, Washington and his game is just growing. He was coming off on an injury, so he hasn't played as much, um, but he will as in the future and he will even this year. Yeah. So it sounds great. Like a lot of strong veterans from last year and, and also a great future for your program with a lot of really strong younger players as well in that lineup. I hope so. One guy I didn't mention, mention was Christian Felton, who was a transfer from Bentley and Felton went from not being able to play for us last year, the beginning of the year to me actually just, baffled by the way he did not play much at Bentley he became a really great player for us in the second half of the season last year got off to a great start this year he's dealing with some nicks and bumps hasn't played in a little while but we'll have him back I think by after Christmas hopefully we'll have him back after Thanksgiving but he'll be a big addition because he also is a big horse and he really can compete and he moves very well that will change our defense when he comes back I think that that will make us even deeper and and older which will be important for us that's great. Yeah, we can't wait to see that. And uh, coach, not to mention, I, I do spend a lot of time on the Merrimack campus and your guys are, are seem like great guys off the ice, really nice young men. And uh, I know that that's something that you take a lot of pride in as well. Merrimack's the kind of school I think you have to be that way. And, and I'm, I'm obviously not the youngest guy in the block, but I, I, I've gone through it enough where when you were super hockey focused, maybe limiting your guys' experience in that regard. It's great, and maybe you win, but you know, at the end of the day, they don't grow with the school. This year and la the last two years, we've made a concerted effort to do a lot of community service on campus, do things for other people. And when we're doing, doing that, I think it's been really good for us. And it's not only has been good for our team as a whole, it's feeling part of the community and connecting us, but also from the community connecting to us. So they see us out there on Friday morning at 7 a.m. picking up the trash that they left the night before. Well, this past Sunday, we picked up all the Adirondack chairs that are all over campus. You have a group of people, they can do it a lot quicker than a couple of guys. So we've tried to actively pursue those opportunities, and I think it's been really helpful. Oh, that's great, because that's certainly, I know, something you don't see at every program. Just It's really just instilling great athletes on the ice and great people off the ice. And I think that'll help kind of transition to our next topic, if you will, and that's you coming to Merrimack. So this is your fifth year, I believe, there. And of course, you've worked hard to instill your culture with the program. And why don't we talk a little bit about your background? Like I know that you have highly extensive background and experience in coaching, college coaching, over well over 30 years and have worked with a lot of different 
schools and a lot of different coaches. So why don't we talk about that so our audience can learn more about you? Well, interesting. I don't know how much time we have, but my, <laughs> when I first got out of college, I was injured in college. That's how I became a coach. I couldn't play my junior and senior year. And when I got injured at the time, I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I wanted to pursue a career in playing. And now I look back, I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it allowed me to get into coaching at a very young age. I worked with some unbelievable mentors and Mike McShane, Dick Humilly, Bobby Gaudet, Nate Lehman, Jeff Jackson. I mean, I just, I, I'm so lucky to have the opportunities that I've had. And that's put me in a great position here at Merrimack. And I think it was just the right time and right place for me. I had been really successful with Providence and UNH and as an assistant coach and really enjoyed that. Uh, but leading into that, I had been unsuccessful as a head coach at Lake Superior State. And looking back at that, I, I replaced someone who was a legend in Jeff Jackson. But then I tried to be Jeff Jackson, and that was my biggest mistake. And by the time I got my own head around the job and started to be myself and try to coach the team my way, uh, it had gotten away from us a little bit. And obviously, they, they we didn't win enough, and they suggested I move on, and I took that suggestion. But it's been the best thing ever happened to me. It moved me back to Boston. My parents were both here getting older. I got to be here through their elderly years, got to be here with them when, unfortunately, they passed. And if I, if I hadn't come back, if I hadn't gotten fired, that wouldn't have happened. So my life has been built around college hockey, and it's been enhanced by it. Um, but I really want to make sure that, and that's why we talk about the community. I, I, some of those experiences I've had, which were not positive, make it really easy for me to try to be more positive here. I've coached twice in Division Three, once at New England College and once at Colby College. And at that level, you have to do those things. And why not do it here? So that's kind of what we're trying to bring here. And, and that's where my experience and some of the positives, but certainly some of the negatives come in. Coach, that's a, that's a great story, and I think you summarized very well, actually, just some great advice, whether you meant to do that or not, to a lot of young athletes that listen and tune in to the show, that throughout a career, you're not always going to have glowing experiences. You're, in fact, going to have a lot of negative ones, if that's what you want to, the word that you want to insert as well. And it sounds like every experience that you've had, including the fact that how you started into coaching was because you had a college career cut slightly short due to injury, but you used that and perhaps if that didn't happen to you, you wouldn't have ended up down the path of, of coaching. And clearly that's worked out very well for you now. So it, it sounds like you've really been able to use all your experiences and or positive and it's made you into the person and the coach that you are today. Thank you. I, it's, you learn a lot more about people when they lose and you learn a lot more when they have tough times and them. And, um, Ironically, having gone through some of the things that I went through from the injury all the way through getting fired with a family, all the way to coming to Merrimack in, in the first place, and we've dealt with some things here. And, and, and I have personally, obviously, you know that. And so it, it just I'm just a really fortunate person. I'm fortunate to be in the hockey world because it is a very supportive world. It is something where the really good people got me into the business when I really had no right to be in it. I was 22 years old and acted like I was 10, but they brought me in and put me under their wing and let me make some mistakes and just helped groom me to be better at what I was doing. And so I'm still in it because of really the first guys I was with, which were McShane and Umeli. Yeah, they you hear those names a lot, don't we? Those Umeli and in the hockey world. And it seems like all the, the guys that really get to work with them or work under their wing have really just praise the mentorship that they've been able to have with those guys over the years. Oh, for sure. And it's funny because people ask me all the time what the difference was between Nate Lehman, Jeff Jackson, and, and Dick Umilly. Those are the most three most recent guys I worked with. And they're all different. Like Richie was an unbelievable locker room guy, maybe the best I've ever seen in the room. Like just, he understood his room. 
Uh, he wasn't uh, trying to be over creative, overdo it. He just knew it, and he knew his players really, really well, which is why they're so in, in connected to him still. Uh, and Nate and, and Jeff, who both did great jobs with that, but really they were uh, structurally, um, teaching-wise, uh, they really took it to a different level for me, and that, and that was really positive to help me do a better job here. Yeah, and let's talk about that. Let's let's discuss more of your culture at Merrimack. So when you took over the program, I know that you brought in a huge incoming class very shortly following that. And what have been some of the things that's helped you over the years evolve the program and get that culture exactly how you wanted it to be at Merrimack? Well, ultimately, it's been the players, but you know everybody says that. But I, the you can't do what we did that first year, bringing in, we brought in 17 new players my second year as freshmen, which meant our roster had to have a lot of turnover. You can't do that everywhere. Merrimack understood that where the program was at that time, if we were going to move it in a different direction, we were going to have to have some roster turnover and they were going to have to support that. And we tried to go about that in a real, I, I can't think of the right word, but kind is, sure. is I'm ultimately getting to, but I wanted to use a bigger one. I couldn't think of one, but in a humane way, let's say where, where we didn't upset kids' lives just because we wanted to have a better hockey team. And I think in most cases of those young men who did not come back for the second year under our team, I think that they got better opportunities and grew from it. We had very honest conversations when I came here, what had to happen. My first conversation with the team when I got here was, I know Coach Danny, he's a hell, hell of a coach and he's a really good guy. So you, as a locker room, have to take ownership of what happened because it happened on your watch. And that was what happened to me at Lake Superior. I thought I was pretty good. I thought I worked hard. I obviously didn't have the locker room I needed, and we didn't do much. So when I came, I wanted to first put the team on notice that they had to be held accountable. Secondly, that we were going to do some things that we're going to change, that we're going to help them in their lives, just like if you're selling used cars. You sell used cars, you sell 40, I sell two, you want more money, I get fired. That's the locker room. And so we've tried to give that uh, mentality to our team and to our roster. And I think it's worked pretty well, but it's worked well because of Merrimack support. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Everyone knows getting hockey skates sharpened can be a hassle. Make it easier by sharpening your skates with the Sparks Sharpener. The Sparks Sharpener is safe, easy to use, and will save you time and money. It only costs about a dollar a sharpening, and you get an accurate, consistent sharpening every single time. Head over to SparksHockey.com and use the promo code RINKWISE at checkout to save $50. That's SparksHockey.com with the promo code RINKWISE and save $50. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. 
Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. We talked a little bit just offline before the show started. And again, fortunate that I I do spend a lot of time up at Merrimack. And I I joke that sometimes... I could be in that rink at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. And I swear I always see your guys on the ice working. They are always on that ice surface, always working. And I feel like that is a big part of what you've instilled in this program with that work ethic and that drive and that determination to get better every single day. I wanted the, I remember when I first got here and we had a senior class and it was no one that I coached, but there were seven players and only two of them were aspiring to play at a higher level after college. And that's a problem. You, every senior I've ever coached wanted to play professional hockey. Even the one on the fifth line wanted to play professional hockey. He wanted to prove you wrong. And so I just thought the hockey focus wasn't enough, especially in a place like Merrimack. It's such a small school where you can really achieve academically. Yeah, the school's going to help you do that. But to, to not take that second step and try to do the same thing athletically and in hockey specifically, that's a mistake. And I had to try to drive that home. And what we've talked a lot about here is over my desk, I have three buckets. And one of them is the athletic bucket, one of them is the social bucket, one is the academic bucket. And coming from a guy who tried to be elite in all three, I know you can't. So you have to decide where your sacrifices are going to come. And I felt like the sacrifices to the guys when I got here maybe came from the hockey program. And that's just not going to be successful long term, not, not even short, short term. So we're trying to put more of a focus on their hockey and enjoy school. You have your college night, but make sure you're ready to practice and go to school. Yeah. And how how beneficial has that been? All that extra work that the guys do, a lot of skills training, a lot of, lot of work in specific defenseman work, forward work. How beneficial has that been in the results that you're now seeing in the games that you're playing? What's funny, I, I think it's really seen in some of the guys who haven't played a lot, and now they are playing a lot. Specifically, like Devin Carlisle and Zach Ewers were going to be great players wherever they went to school. I think we helped them drive their game forward. I hope we did. But they were real good players before they got here. We've had other guys who came in at different levels and maybe were trying to earn their ice time, and they're playing now big roles. And I think that's a, a big statement to our staff, and really to our assistant coaches. They've done a great job individually working with those players, and it's been a real positive result, not only for our team, but every time you're on the ice, your confidence grows. And I have always felt that one of the biggest problems at Merrimack was that the guys lost to the crest. And right now, we're not doing that. And that's important, because when you work that hard, it's that much harder to give up, and that, and that much harder to feel like you're going to lose. And I think we've done a really good job of that as a, as a group. And mainly because of our leadership within the room. Our captain this year is Benny Brower. Benny's Benny's one of the most underrated players I've ever coached in my life. And he is going to play. And he's going to play somewhere and going to surprise people. But it will be no surprise to anyone here. And when he's in that room and he's running that room and he's doing the sacrifices and doing the things that he's doing, pretty easy for the rest of the guys to do that as well. Oh, that's great to hear. And Speaking of just the league and competition, talk a little bit more about Merrimack. So you're in Hockey East, arguably the toughest Division One league in the country for NCAA hockey. And Scott, I'm a product of Northeastern, went there. I also went to BU, and those are two big Boston schools. And we know, I think, in Hockey East, just some of those those programs have just such a rich tradition of, of hockey, and you're in Boston. It's, it's a big Boston-based school. And Merrimack is just outside of Boston. So 
What have you, what have been some of the approaches that you've taken with the families that you meet with? And what have been some of the big attractions of, of Merrimack that's helped you with your recruiting process? Number one has been the campus. I think people, especially in New England, have no idea what we have to offer as a campus. Number two has been the flexibility of the school. You can do anything you want academically here. I've never worked someplace where we could have an engineering student be a hockey player. That can happen here. And it's because of the size. It's because of the user-friendly mentality. And that's been really positive to our recruiting to attract some very good students that can do more here. But then on just on the, on the culture of the program side, I've never been, I grew up outside of Boston, but I've never been a Boston guy. I, I'm not a city person. And so we always describe it as you have an opportunity to be in the city with, with a train station half a mile away, but you also don't have an, don't have the burden of the city being a, a distraction. So you use it when you want to, and you, it's, it's a much better way to go about things, I believe. And that's how I've lived. So I sell that fairly easily. But the biggest thing I, I would really su- suggest to our, to our team and to our guys is we're not a bells and whistles place. And kids these days, especially with the young recruiting, they get caught up with the things that are hanging from the ceiling, the extra rooms that are in their room. That's just not us. We know exactly who we are. And if you want to be part of something great, where you personally are going to make a bigger impact than that swimming pool over there, then come to Merrimack. Let's build something together. And we've actively said no to having a weight room attached to our locker room just because why would we do that? Then we would never meet the women's field hockey team or the basketball players or the football players. We want to be part of Merrimack, the community. So the way we go about our recruiting is if you want to be part of a bigger community, come here and do it. If you want to be part of something that's hockey-centric and that's all you're going to know for your four years, there's plenty of other programs around us you can do that at. That is a great point. And the campus at Merrimack is beautiful. And also talk about major changes and evolution that's happened over the years. Merrimack is some of the alumni, I'm sure, that go back now. It's just almost a completely different place for them to see. And the the Boston schools are certainly a different environment. I remember at Northeastern, we used to have the the train running right through the middle of campus. So if you were not paying attention on your phones like half the kids are these days walking, you might get hit by the train going through the middle of campus. So it's it's a different environment and it's not necessarily for everybody. And again, back to that great community feel that that Merrimack has, it really seems like it's a special trait to your program and the entire school community. I, I believe it is. I, I Growing up near here, where it was really a commuter school at one time, at least in my mind, it's a completely different place and it's exploded because of it. And I think that the people appreciate community. I mean, what do we miss right now the most? We miss community because we all have our phones. We all have our social media where we're just ripping people apart. We need, we need community. And more than anything else in our world, we need that. And with what we got, went through with COVID and then what we personally went through as a team, like you lean into the community way more than you think. And if we have a better community than you have, which will probably mean we have a better locker room than you have, we have a chance to be successful. And, and that's exactly how we go about our recruiting and our sales pitch. And the kids that come here are the kids who want to be here, and that's important. Indeed. And this, this year, your team and the entire Merrimack community certainly had to come together as your team did experience some unfortunate news earlier in the year and battled through adversity, so losing course, beloved member of our hockey community, Josh, earlier this year. And I, I know that was a very d- difficult time for you and your, your team and the Merrimack community. And uh, it seems like it's obviously celebrating his his life and his accomplishments, but it's it's been a way that you've really been able to see the true community and coming together of, of Merrimack. 
obviously a very difficult thing for me to talk about, but I love Josh and his teammates did, meaning the other players. And I think it was really beyond the incredible sadness that it brings so many people, especially those of us who knew him for so long. It's galvanized our team. And I had several people, as you can imagine, reach out to me right around that time when I really didn't know what to do and kind of pushed me forward for our team. One of the people in particular was a man named Patrick Foley, who was a captain at UNH for three years while I was a sophomore, junior, and senior year. He was Josh's captain. And Patrick reached out to me and just said, hey, this is, you have to do, and you have to make sure the players do what Josh would want them to do. And this is three days before playing our first game. And he said, I think you should take the team to play those games. And I, I just didn't want to go. Our team, and I know we were, I don't want to talk about it too long, but the, we met with the athletic director and I told the athletic director, I don't want to go, but if the team wants to go, we'll go. The team met with the athletic director and said, we want to go, but if the coaches can't go because they understood, then we won't go. And it was the beginning. It was really the beginning of something special in our room. And it, it just, it, I know, and I talk to Josh's father all the time and there's no question in my mind, our results have been majorly impacted by Josh and never mind we did on the ice for our team prior to passing and in the years before, just his memory has been powerful and I'm, we're trying to honor that memory. And so it's important that we play forward and that we do it in our own way because that's an individual thing. But, but as a group, we allow each other to do that individually. And I really could not be prouder of a group of young men than the ones that are in our room because they have done that for all of us and therefore they've done it for Josh. I'm sure one of the proudest moments as a coach that you've had, and we appreciate you sharing that. I know, again, a very difficult time and that weekend where you had to make a decision to play those games, you guys came out of the gates and made a huge statement that weekend with a big win over Clarkson. That had to feel Amazing. And again, undergoing a, a very difficult time for you and, and, and as a team, but a huge statement that weekend that you guys made. It was, uh, and, and I'm lucky to have coached in a lot of hockey games. So I've been fortunate to coach some really good ones and big ones and, and been on the winning side and the losing side. That was the best one I've ever had. And I would say, uh, I would say that anyone who was there would feel the same way. I'm sure. And the game versus UNH, uh, clearly looked like an uh, incredible celebration that night in remembering the life of Josh. And I noticed that both teams on the back of their jerseys had his last name. Thought that was just a great idea and incredibly special. And how was that night for everybody? Well, it, it, it started in the afternoon. Merrimack hosted a bit of a, a reception, which ended up being basically a UNH reception because all his Closest friends are from UNH, but it was a special day. And I think that Josh was 38 years old. And, and I think people, when you're 38 and younger, you don't appreciate things that you need to appreciate as much. And it was a real lesson for his people closest to him, his friends. But it was also an unbelievable night where two schools that are competing for a game come together. And it was all about hockey. And that's that's what it was. Josh's family was there and it was extremely impactful for them, as you can imagine. And I, I, I felt a little bad the way the game ended up because we were playing with all the emotion because we all knew Josh, whereas UNH only had one player on their team that knew Josh and then the coaching staff. But 
I, it's a it's a wrong word, but for us, it was a it was an emotional motivator. For them, it was a bit of a distractor, and I think that's kind of what happened in the game. And and but I was so appreciative of Mike and and his staff that they said, "Hey, let's do this together." And I think it was appropriate, and I think that I know that it had an impact on this family that they'll never forget. I'm sure it did, and and just what a special night. And of course, you guys went on to win that game. And it uh, really shows us, too, I think, of the, the hockey community, how, how it is and how people do come together. And we all are honoring Josh and what a remarkable impact he's had in the hockey community. And we're just we're so glad that that was a special night and his, his life could truly be celebrated. No, it, it, I'm not sure that night could have gotten be- gone better. From the game to the people who made it here from all walks of life and all like all over the world that showed up for that. It was really, uh, it, it was, it was memorable. It's something I'll never forget. And I think that his family will never forget. I know they won't. And our players won't ever forget. And, and frankly, I, I don't think that, I don't think our players have completely processed. I, I know I haven't because I haven't had time to. I can't, I have 30 people. I have to try to help them have a great season. They've earned it. They deserve it. And, and I have to do everything I can for them. But I don't think any of us have really processed. Maybe Christmas break will be that time for everybody to process it. But, Certainly, I'm really proud. As again, and I hate to keep saying this, but I'm just so proud of our room and the way they came around, the way they came around themselves, each other. It's it's special. It's really special. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stamp power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. You can learn to skate fast. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's BANDO-PERFORMANCE.COM with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. Well, certainly great leadership there at the top with, with you and your staff. And again, with the deserving success of your team, you guys have done a wonderful job with a very difficult schedule and again, made some some big statements and a lot of noise so far this season. You've swept BC, you've split with UMass. So just let's talk about that, your schedule to date and how you feel about some of those games in the rearview mirror. 
the BC weekend, obviously, that when you talk about losing to a crest, that's like, we're like the little stepsister, right? And so that was big for us. It was important for us. And the nice thing is I think we have a group of guys who are old enough and mature enough that the crest doesn't matter. It's us versus you and let's go. And it was a great weekend for us. And since that weekend, BC's obviously right at the ship and they're playing pretty well right now. So, but it wasn't lost on us either. We got great goaltending in both those games. Once by Hugo Olas, the game that was here. And then Zach Bourgeil, BC had a five on three in that game. And uh, that's usually the recipe for disaster. And Zach made three huge saves that kept us in the right place. So that was obviously big. And UMass has been kind of our Achilles heel. Ever since I've been here, we've had one goal games with them. We've lost most of them, many of them in overtime. Um, and so getting that one here as we lost the night before in overtime on a bad change was really a productive. I think that really pushed us forward. And now we got to go play on. But I, I, this year... Ironically, if you looked at our schedule at the beginning of the year, you would have said, okay, these, you got a tough beginning. Our next hockey East game is going to be very interesting. We have two with Providence. I'm sorry, one with Providence at Providence, at UMass, at UConn. Um, that's going to be a tough grind. And all those teams are playing very, very well right now. Yeah, and that's funny. I was just going to bring up that matchup with with UConn. And again, you've played a very difficult schedule so far and been super successful. And coach, I think I think give yourself a lot of credit. Your your culture change that you've instilled over the program over the years. I mean, it's really worth all that hard work. And sometimes when you take over a program or you take over anything, you don't necessarily see the results year one or year two. But I think I feel like we're seeing the product of all, your vision and all of that hard work and change that you've implemented over the years. And clearly your team is a, a big, making a lot of noise right now in Hockey East. Yeah, it's, it's obviously great to start like we have, but it's funny because UConn has made a big, I'd say has made more noise than we have. They're going to be a bear, but you know, you look around the league right now, there's not really a team that isn't. And I, I give Mike Cavanaugh a ton of credit. He, he really is. He's, I don't know how long he's been there, but he's, gotten that thing to a really good place and they're really competing hard. They're playing very physical. Last year we played them. We were rolling a little bit and they kicked us to the curb twice. And and it really kind of probably humbled us at a time we were feeling super confident, but you know, it's going to be great games. And they're always physical, they're always competitive. And I'm sure that they got good goaltending again this year. and We do too. So I'm sure there'll be some great games. And both of us last year kind of broke the ceiling for our teams getting into the top half. And this time now we're going to play in the top half. Pretty exciting. And so I hope that I hope we perform like I know we can and that we come out and play our best and, and then take it from there. But the hockey schedule is daunting. And someone wants to ask me, how do you do it? He said, you better do it one day at a time. Because if you look at the whole thing, it's going to be a problem. You'll be in Panic City the whole time. So we're just going to get ready for Holy Cross tomorrow, obviously. And then, then we get a nice Thanksgiving break, and then we roll into UConn. That's great. Yeah, definitely one game at a time. It is a long season, isn't it? It's a long way to go still. It's a grind, that's for sure. For sure. And yeah, the the UConn matchup, that was actually one that I, I have circled on my calendar. Like, I can't wait to follow that game. And again, I think it's just very interesting because in, in the Hockey East landscape, you've kind of had some of your consistent or traditional teams that have been at the top. And right now we have UConn men's hockey top northeastern two and you guys number three so i just think that that's that's awesome we're seeing a different landscape and that's also telling us that the league is changing merrimack is getting up there merrimack's getting its elbows up they're getting in they're getting they're getting ready to fight and i just i know i can't wait to to follow that game and to see you guys play it's funny i said to someone not too long ago when i was 
first in Hockey East, not first, but my second round in Hockey East when I was at UNH, it seemed like a four-team league. UNH made BUBC almost every year. At least three of those teams were in the, in the garden, if not all four. UMass cracked through with Tutti Cahoon, and, but there weren't a lot of other teams coming through. And it was really now when you look at it, I, mean, I look back then and you had W's on your schedule that you were, were predictable. You may not get them because you thought, like I just said, but they were there. But this year, and I think in the last couple of years and, and the years moving forward, because the program's investment by each school has been much larger than it used to be. And I think when you were in hockey's 15 years ago, there was a real difference between the investments in the programs. And now there's not. And now everybody's investing and everybody's trying to be successful. And that's why the league has risen with that, I believe. Yeah, which is great. That's that's what we want. We want we want things to get better. And I think that that comes with things changing and evolving over the years as well. I mean, we could also look at the girls side. I mean, it's the same thing. It's it's change and there's been new programs added. So so it's great. We 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 want to see that again. Hockey East. We're, we're so fortunate that here locally we just get I would almost call it's like a almost as exciting as going to watch the Bruins or something. I mean, you can go watch a great Division One men's or women's hockey game, and we're just so fortunate to have that here locally in New England. And I, and I think actually all of us recruit to that because it is it is very unique, and it's even different. We miss fewer classes than Harvard does because our schedule is we're in our own beds almost every single night. And we're out and back, and I think that everybody in our league, for the most part, can say that. Obviously, the teams on the edges can't, but for the most part, Eight out of 11 teams can say that. And that's that's a huge part of success. And that's a huge part of the league growth because it's our fans can travel to other ranks and other fans can travel to this rank. And we played that UNH game. There's a lot of UNH people in the stands. And we play UMass. There's a lot of UMass people in the stands. I'm sure that UConn is going to bring their contingent. So it's really nice to be able to have that ability. And it's, I think it's, it is very unique to our league and certainly to our region. And it's a lot of fun. I we're not allowed to go to watch other teams play in our league because that would be considered scouting. But you know, there's been several times I've tried, I've always made a phone call and I almost called Mike Sue's the other day and said, watch you guys play Harvard. There's a Tuesday night. I was doing nothing, but you, we're not allowed to. But it's such a great, it's such a great opportunity for the, you can be a fan of several teams in this league and, and follow them all daily. So I think that's a real advantage to Hockey East. For sure. Yeah. And we also have such a rich youth model here as well in New England. So it's also great for those potential future prospects to be able to just see and and be so close to some of the programs that I know that they aspire to hopefully be on someday. Yeah, no question. Just think about the Young Islanders that are they're on our bench as we're finishing practice. And our pra- uh, several times our players say, hey, come on out. When, when the coaches are gone, come on out and just skate around. And it's a great thing. It's great for, because as a player, that, that young kid doesn't know if you won a loss night before. He doesn't know you're in the first line or the fifth line. He just knows you're wearing the jersey and he wants to get there someday. So it's great on both edges of that. For the youth player, he has a younger, older guy who's playing college hockey. Be nice to him. That means a lot. And then for the, the college player, hey, I haven't had much success recently. But this guy, his eyes are wide open seeing me. He's, he's honoring me in a way. And so it's pretty cool. Those relationships, which I think, happen in most of our ranks with different programs. I think that's pretty exciting as well. I agree totally. Oh, yeah. that That is just such a special mentorship thing that's in place. And again, I know I've said this, but your guys are just such great guys. I've seen them firsthand and they're just so good with the kids. And they also go the extra mile and they go out of their way to try to make a connection with some of the players. And and again, I think that's a tribute to you and the culture that you've instilled with Merrimack Men's Hockey. I appreciate that very much, actually. I, I think 
I think it's probably attributed to our recruiting. We've recruited a lot of the right people. And our focus really is to recruit the best locker room. There's a lot of things we can't control in recruiting, but we can control the locker room. So we want to make sure that we do that. And typically you get kids like that when you focus on that. And we would both agree, I think, that hockey players are more like that than a lot of the sports that we watch. And it's true. And I think here we've been really lucky. And I'm, I'm, I'm aware that our players have turned the corner on the culture piece of it, but I'm also aware that most of that credit goes to the room. And, and I, I think that as a coach, and I've heard many people say this, but you get way too much credit and you get way too much blame. With our guys, they're taking ownership of the room, and that's really made us a better program. And they, they run the room. Benny Barrow asked me, what are we going to wear on the road? And I said, what do you want to wear? He'll tell me, I said, well, then tell the team, what's your team? And, and you know, try to get your hands off the wheel a little bit and let them drive. And I think they've done a really good job of that. Well, no question. You're also preparing them well for the real world someday when they leave your nest at Merrimack and uh, go off into the real world someday and have, have careers and families and, and whatnot. Well, they can coach the rest of their life and never get into the real world. <laughs> so true. So true, right? Aren't we lucky we get to work in hockey full time? Yep. So if fortunate. the rink were just a little bit warmer, then I think it would be really lucky. I agree. Although the Gallant side is freezing. It's like, it's, I don't know why, but it's way colder than the Lawler side yeah. for some reason. I have, when we skate over there, which you do on occasion, I have noticed that. Freezing. I don't know why either. And, and maybe it's because there's not really a, a fan area. So that they got to keep the fans area a little bit warmer than they are the ice. I don't know, but it is cold over there. We'll have to talk to the boss about that. I think <laughs> we'll bring it up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah uh, I like it. And finally, I know you you did highlight this a little bit already, but some of the big players for you this year, like what are you seeing? I know some of your veterans are really stepping up, but what have been or who have been some of the big players for you that have really had a huge role in the team's success so far? Well, I've obviously talked about Benny Brar quite a bit, but Philip Forsmark is a player that's been with us since his fourth year. Again, another player that's really underrated. He does just a lot of things really well. Mac Walsh has made a major step in his game. He's always been a really good 200-foot player, but now he's an offensive player. And we moved him from center to the wing. He's one of those players that's so thoughtful and he cares so much that he works so hard in his own end. They're getting him on the outside of the rink and allowing him to now just kind of cover the points, block a shot, but get up and play offense has been really valuable to his game. And it's made a huge boost to our team as well. And then we have players like Mark Hillier, who's a sophomore this year, who's merged, you know, become a player that's a top three line center, makes plays. I think he's got points in almost every one of our games, runs one of our power plays. And then the guy that people sometimes forget about because he's been here for a while and he came in with a big reputation, but Alex Jeffries is... He's just getting better every day. And you talk about someone who's on the ice a lot. I mean, I've never seen anyone on the ice like he is. And his drive and his passion to get better, it's its unique. And he's done a great job. And he's become a 200-foot player. He appreciates the game without the puck right now. And that's made us a better team. And probably the one player that people talk to me about the most when they talk about the difference in our team is Matt Capone. Matty Capone has gone from being a really light, right-wing, true freshman that his skill kept him in the to now he's playing center. He's 15 pounds heavier. He competes like an animal. He impacts every shift he's on the ice. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but he's going to impact it because he works so hard. So we've been fortunate. I think the difference in our team this year from last year is probably the majority the of Alex, Matty Capone, and Mark Hillier. The way those three have kind of taken roles that they've had in the past particularly Mark and Matt, because Alex has always had a big role, but made them bigger. And in Alex's case, when he arrived here, he was playing all offensive situations, but now he's one of our best penalty killers. And that's important. So 
I think it's it's been a whole team effort, but those are some of the guys I think you've seen their maturity as they've been through, gone through here and done, done some different things at Merrimack that has grown our program. Now, that's awesome. And I know we mentioned that sometimes you're concerned they're almost on the ice too much and too much dedication. And, and sometimes you almost have to shut them down because they're they're trying to work so hard. I mean, that's that's a great quality to have in, in your big players, I'm sure. Recovery is a word that some of those guys don't understand. Right. They're growing in that way to understand it. But no, when your best players are on the ice all day, it's hard to be another guy not on the ice. You can't really, you have, if you look around and see the guys that are out there, including our fifth year guys, we have Benny, Benny Brars out there. Some of our grad transfers are out there. That's, that's impressive. And I think we can continue to grow as those guys continue to do that. They're going to just hold more and more guys onto the rank. And that's, that's the only place you get better. Yeah. And a lot of recurring names there for sure. And I think you alluded to earlier that I'm sure we'll, we'll hear some of those names even post-college at some point and moving on, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if we didn't. I think that we have a number of guys who I feel like will be very high quality free agents. Other guys will go through the draft again. I think we get drafted, but it's fun to see having players who have that desire to play at the next level. And are willing, everybody has the desire, but are willing to put the work in to get to that next level. That's when things start to get better. And that's really what's happened here. Yeah, I certainly can't wait to see that. And coach, I know one game at a time, but would love to certainly see a Hockey East championship, hopefully in the near future for you guys. I'm sure, again, long, long term down the road, it's a long season, but I'm sure that's certainly got to be in the back of your mind. And again, as we said, it's it's a long haul to get there. It's a grind. It's a long season. But again, the way that you guys are playing right now, I would certainly love to see that in the mix for you guys in the near future. Well, so would I. <laughs> just at the same page. I, I think it's interesting with the way the league is this year. I was saying this to someone today. It's really going to be who gets through the grind the healthiest and who has the availability of the best players at the, end of the, at the end of the line? Because I think the league is close enough that really anyone can win it. I really believe that. Every team we've seen can win it. And I know we have some really good teams coming up. So it's really going to be about being able to get better each day and then stay as healthy as you can. And if you can get to that point at the end of the year and you're in that position, you'll have a chance. And we're one of several teams I think will have a chance. But it, it's going to be a lot of fun. The playoffs this year, single elimination with the, the way how close these games are going to be, going to be very exciting hockey. Oh, indeed. And and we can't wait to follow that. It's you, you said it. It's 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 I think who's who's going to stay healthy and all close one, two goal games and just great hockey, isn't it? Every every night is just an exciting game. And I think that's a great thing for the league that essentially it can go either way between opponents any get if any given night. Yeah, no, it's fine. We lost at UMass in overtime on the bus. You always check the scores of the other games. I think three of the other four games were overtime games and the other game was one goal game. And it just five games in a night, every one of the one goal games, that's when you really know that you're in a, you're in a, a great league and a competitive league. And it's great for the fans. It's great for the campuses and it's great for all of the programs. So you, I, I honestly believe you raise the league's profile from the bottom up. Some other people have disagreed with my statement in the past when I've said that in league meetings, but I think it's true. And Merrimack getting better, the way Vermont's playing right now, the way Maine's playing, it, it's, it's great for the league. It's not just about the big boys. It's about the whole league. And if we can grow as a group, maybe ultimately we want to win a national championship as a league. We want someone to come out of this league to do that. And why not this year? Why not? Well, we we can't wait to follow. And again, congratulations on such a wonderful start to your season. And we can't thank you enough for taking the time here this morning to 
share everything with us. And we know you have a big opponent coming up tomorrow with Holy Cross. So best of luck with that. Really appreciate it, Steph. And anytime we can talk about Merrimack hockey, we, we will do it. So just let us know. Absolutely. We'll definitely hold you to that and we'll definitely get you back on here sometime soon. But that does it for this edition of Reekwise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NE Hockey Journal and subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Rinkwise is a Siemens Media production.